Hey everyone, my name is Hillary Murray and welcome to the Juicy Details. Uh, Jerry Miller and I had so much fun last month, I decided to, they invited me to come back and be here weekly with all of you, so thank you for having me, thank you for allowing me to uh, talk to you and have, have this show. Uh, this show is going to focus on many wonderful things, a lot of juicy things, everything from literal juice to politics to zoning to education to anything that is up for discussion. Uh, one of the wonderful things we're going to discuss today, we have a wonderful guest, uh, Jeff Tang. Jeff is one of my great friends from business school at UVA. So I graduated from Darden Business School in 2013. I have been a serial entrepreneur since then. Jeff Tang has also been a pretty serial <laughs> entrepreneur since graduating from Darden as well. So Jeff, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. Should we do a shot together? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is called Hot Shot. Beet, lime, and jalapeno. Not for the faint of heart. I should shake it, huh? I mean, you got to shake it up. That's right. Yeah. Get the ingredients dispersed fully. To learning team 54. Learning team 54. All right. To not spilling beet juice everywhere. Whoa. That's good. It's getting spicy. That is good. Yes. Love me some Lumi. Thank you for bringing that along today. Yes. Well, so so just to tell you a little bit more about Jeff. Jeff is uh, he has eight regional Emmy awards for his <laughs> storytelling and that hot that jalapeno. <laughs> we should have thought that me. one through, huh? Yeah, I should have thought that one through. <laughs> uh, so eight eight regional Emmys for your storytelling. And that's really impressive. After you were you were a newscaster, if you want to tell us a little bit about that experience, and then sure. you came to Darden about career switching. So, given that it's the beginning of 2024, our whole philosophy today is just how can we enter 2024 the best versions of ourselves and crush our dreams, make everything a reality that we believe in. Yeah, I think that was just the first of a number of pretty dramatic changes for me. Um, so, yeah, having been a television news reporter uh, in Louisville and Nashville for seven years um, and loved it, but um, found that, you know, when you're a television news reporter, you're kind of like the fingers and toes of the universe. It's where you kind of get the sensorial experience and you get all the richness of life. Um, but I was looking to be the heartbeat of an organization, to be the heartbeat of a team. Um, and so that's what led me to Darden, to learn and develop the skills that you need to be an effective leader of teams and an effective leader of businesses, right? So <clears throat> came to Darden, and that jalapeno shot is getting me as well. Uh, found that marketing uh, and brand management was yeah. absolutely something that allowed me to carry forward my love for, for storytelling, for working on a broad variety of different uh, projects and parts of the business. Um, and so, yeah, so made that switch at Darden, worked at um, General Mills, where I worked on like brands like Wheaties and Pillsbury, uh, and then moved to Cliff Bar in California. Uh, and then uh, the next big change um, for me was moving from uh, Cliff Bar in California to come back to Darden to be a career advisor here at Darden. So moving from the world of post-MBA brand management back into academia as a career advisor was a huge and unexpected change. We can talk more about the thoughts uh, and feelings behind that uh, that led to that, that really rewarding decision for me earned my professional coaching certification, did that for a couple of years, was called back into the world of marketing, into the world of startup. Yes, we're um, addicted to the world of startups. Uh, I, Hillary, I, I admire your courage and your bravery and your intrepidness and your creativity uh, and your hustle. 
Um, and that, you know, was my... Tell me more, Jeff. This is a lot of... <laughs> I'm here <laughs> for all the you, compliments. Talk yeah, to me about I love all this. all those great things about me. Tell all these viewers so we can get more viewers about how great I am. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. And so did the startup world for about a year. And now I work for myself as an independent consultant, contractor. Uh, I do kind of white space innovation work. Uh, I do marketing, brand management work. Um, and I also do kind of like executive career leadership um, and life coaching stuff on the side as well. And so it's, I'm... Just now, following your footsteps, really, Hillary, because after Darden, you really jumped into the world of entrepreneurship and into the world of startup with both feet, both arms, all the whole the whole body straight in. And I think that would be probably a cool thing to tell people a little bit about who haven't experienced that world, what that was like for you and what the last 10 years have been. And obviously, the roads brought you back here to Charlottesville, where you've become just a huge part of the community, you know? Well, for sure. Thank you for that. And that's so impressive, everything that you've done, too. And you've led some pretty big brands that I'm sure everyone has in their household at <laughs> one time or another. Uh, and for, for me, the, you know, Jeff and I met at Darden in 2011. I was, uh, my, my learning team had imploded. And I really <laughs> wanted a team to work with and study cases because that's the whole value of the Darden community. Yeah. It's a community and you collaborate and you learn together and work together. And um, Jeff and the learning team, 54, they were one person down. And so... We had a spot. They had a spot. You fit and perfect. they drafted me to be, to be that person to join their team. Well, I, as I recall it, you kind of were like, hey... Uh, I'm joining your team. <laughs> I mean, I like the way you all work. Can I, uh, and I need, see that you're you've got a spot open, and we 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 so bait, so Jeff. enjoyed having you. Yeah, it was um, it was wonderful. You, we had a we had a Hillary sized hole on the team, and and you filled it perfectly. Thank you, thank you. So you know, at Darden, we, we both kind of pursued this interesting. You went mainly marketing, sure. and I thought that all I wanted to do was be a consultant. Like literally, thought that that was the coolest thing. No, Kinsey, things change. yeah, things change. My <laughs> Darden essay though talked about believing in the viability of U.S. manufacturing and wanting to start my own business and eventually wanting to run for public office. So those were the three tenets of my Darden essay. None of which <laughs> I initially when I got there, I yeah. you know I jumped into entrepreneurship, but I also thought that I still wanted to do consulting. And I remember being in a consulting interview, and the person interviewing me is saying. What are you doing? Yeah. And he told me that I should follow my dreams and pursue what I believed in. And so that's what made me start Lumi. And I started Lumi Juice, which stands for love you, mean it. We want you to love yourself and the people you care about. So we make good for you products that are made with real ingredients the way nature intended. So that is kind of where it started. And... I built a manufacturing facility here in Belmont, in Charlottesville, Virginia. So Lumi had the first fully integrated juicing facility and high-pressure processing facility under one roof. And high-pressure processing uses extreme water pressure instead of heat to kill your bacteria and preserve the nutrients and flavor of juice. So every Lumi you drink tastes like you're literally eating a piece of fruit. Which is awesome. I mean, what do you think? That hot, I mean, the jalapeno and and vegetables too, right? Like, yes. And, and I think let's you know, I've got we both have young kids at home, so you know they wouldn't like to hear this, but I think vegetable taste vegetables taste great, right? So uh, I think I, I think the products are extraordinary. You know that I've been a huge fan as um, as 
soon as this endeavor started. So yeah, it's a, it's a great product. So I think, I think given, you know, that was a quick story, right. Of how I made a pivot into entrepreneurship, but given that it's a new year, people are thinking about who's the new me, what am I going to do to, to elevate myself? Um, I, you know, I think understanding how you take that leap and willing to take risk that are just out there on a cliff. You know, I worked in banking before I built a manufacturing facility. Mm-hmm. A lot of people told me I couldn't do it, and I felt like an athlete in the zone. If you ask me how <laughs> I did it, I was so focused, like I had an Olympic event I needed to perform for, that I got it done. So when you did career switching, talk to us about what went through your head and how you got it done. Well, I think it's evolved, you know, yeah. over the 15 years or so since I made that first, first change. I think initially, again, it, it became a matter of necessity. Um, TV news is awesome. Uh, and I have some wonderful friends that I went to Northwestern with many moons ago who are still doing it. And as awesome, I support it 100%. It's a hard job to have and have a family, mm-hmm. both financially, where my, you know, my first job in Nashville, or in Louisville, excuse me, a top 50 market at an NBC station, was making, I was making $25,000 a year. And, you know, I had a hard time, no, like in my head, reconciling that without a big break, without being at the right place at the right time, without catching the right person's eye and the right kind of like, kind of luck and serendipity had to happen for me to really make a career for myself. like David Muir or someone? Well, yeah. I mean, like for me, Steve Hartman was always somebody I I admired in, in the kind of long form human focused storytelling and feature work. And but there's so many things that have to happen right in your career, so many lucky breaks that you have to get. And I, didn't, I wanted to de-risk it, right? Like, I'm, from a, I'm a child of immigrants. Yeah, talk to us about that as well, because I think that's a really powerful story about your father. Yeah. And I, my, my parents came, uh, you know, with $500 in a suitcase. Yeah. Um, my dad came here for grad school. My mom worked as a waitress. Um, to help support uh, the family. Um, they later separated when, when I was young. But, um, you know, coming from that experience and being the child of immigrants, they really wanted us, my, my brother and I um, to be successful, right? They see all this opportunity in this country, and they wanted to make sure that we made the most of it. So that was kind of the mandate for me. And that, to me, I interpreted that as like, I have to be successful, then I have to de-risk the not successful parts of things. Sure. And so my dad is... What does de-risking mean for those of us that didn't go to business school? <laughs> well, uh, for me, it was like, well, if I know that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty in the world of television, for example, that's too much risk, right? Like, how can I lower that level of risk? How can I still enjoy my career? How can, how can I still have fun? Um, but without, with a lot less of that uncertainty... And I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew an MBA was going to, A, give me two years of of time to figure it out, and B, equip me with a skill set, equip me with some, um, I guess, some credentials, right, that I could then take um, and make it happen. And and it absolutely, both things ended up being being absolutely true. So from there, it was a point of necessity. Um, And then as I, we moved to our, as I moved to my career, I would say the, the, the most important thing that I would say about making a big change or making a big switch, at least in, within the context of a career, right, is to not think too much um, in a silo about who you are and what you're capable of doing. 
it's really easy to say, I'm, of course I'm only a TV reporter. It's all I've ever done in my life yeah. is tell stories and report and edit, edit and write. But when you realize, you know, uh, I have a story. That's my, a, a marketer has a product. Yeah. I have a team of photographers, editors, yes. producers. I have a team of R&D, ops, right, finance. Uh, I have a, a consumer. I have a viewer, right, and I have to do... Um, a ton of different things every single day as a reporter. I have to do a ton of different things every day as a brand manager. All this to say is the parallels between two very disparate sounding vocations ended up sounding like, well, actually, TV news is a pretty good preparation for marketing and brand management, um, all things considered. Of course, there are still a million things that I had to learn, and um, it didn't entitle me to be good at it. But um, my point is is that there are things that are about us that are so much more universal than we sometimes, the stories that we create in our own heads, right? For, I mean, for sure. I mean, just even building a factory, it's literally putting one foot in front of the other. It's, it's like building Legos. There's directions to it. It, it is, there's steps involved. There's processes. I think if you understand how to set up processes and execute on processes, career switching is relatively a walk in the park. Well, setting up processes, whether you're in banking or yes. whether you're in manufacturing or whether you're a project manager mom. in marketing or whether you're a stay-at-home mom is a transferable skill set, right? Or dad, right? Which yes. is a gr- so that's a, that's a great example, right? And so for me, I know today as a much more, uh, much wiser and farther down the road human that I exist to leverage the creative process to create joy for others. And I do it through storytelling. That Wait, you said people. leverage the creative process yes. to... To create joy for others. Okay, that's important. That's great. And the how, right, is through storytelling that connects people. Okay. And people and brands. Through human-centered design that solves fuzzy problems in people's lives. And through unapologetic service leadership that puts the success of others as my key metric of success. Now, I get to do plenty of those things in brand management and marketing and the world of innovation and product um, design and also go-to-market. And managing active brands. But, and leading teams, of course, and people. But when I got the opportunity to come back as a career advisor, I was like, well, you know, I get to storytell, help students create their own stories about why they're making a switch. I'm working with hundreds of ki- students. I call them kids. They're like 26, right? Sorry. <laughs> uh, young men and women. I don't know if that's politically correct, to, tell, to learn to tell their stories, right? And I'm using human-centered design to, to really help um, kind of bring new processes and new ways of working and new ideas to a vocation that can sometimes feel a little bit tried and true and this is the way we've always done things and so really got to create some new ideas and bring independent studies and other cool ideas into the world of career advising and then what's more service leadership than truly working every day to help students make their dreams come true right and to understand what those dreams in a more crystallized way what those dreams actually are that are meaningful to them right because you're like you said you may think your dream is to be a consultant yeah. But if you love it, if you love your dog, I would argue like there's going to be some cognitive dissonance there that we should probably unpack. Well, I, I mean, I, I believe that people have a lot of hidden dreams, and when you're young, your dreams are in your head, and you realize that you can pursue them. And as we get older, and things happen that are maybe negative in our life, or people put us down. Jeff has a tattoo that says "relentlessly positive." On his leg, I asked him maybe he can show us later. <laughs> I don't 
Darnell Summer, his wife would feel about that's him right. showing us his legs. It's a but... lower leg. T- it's a calf tattoo, so it's not that. <laughs> so risque. we might be able to look at it later. That's right. It's not risque. But I think being relentlessly positive in something I've said for many years is uh, PMA, positive mental attitude. And so often we all have these dreams of things we want to accomplish and we want to do, and then life happens, we get put down, we're afraid of how do you continue to strive for things that are meaningful and that you want to pursue. And I think staying positive and trying to overcome that, that's where we need cheerleaders, right? You, you were a cheerleader for me at Darden. You've been a cheerleader throughout my entrepreneurial journey. I think Jerry and Judah seem to be my cheerleaders now too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Anyone <laughs> you've watching? you drafted. You're on the team. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, my friend Justine's watching this, I know. Allie Williams is watching this. You know, if the best. those are friends that uh, you guys are my cheerleaders, thank you. Appreciate you. Um, my family cheers me on. So those are that's really meaningful. But for people that don't have that, it's hard to know that you're capable of anything that you put your mind to. Now, and I, one build on that, I think that's so wonderful, and it is true that the people around us are truly our currency, um, is to not be monolithic about positivity, right? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean I want to be a professional basketball player, and I will continue to, for the rest of my life, Jeff, to fit how, that square peg in that round hole, how, right? How short yeah, you I'm are. five foot four, right? Yeah, so, like, okay. that's not going to happen. So my point is, is positivity isn't, you don't have to be monolithic about it. Like, oh, here's the one goal that I have, and therefore I will go after it for relentlessly forever. Relentless positivity means that, like, it's really easy to get down. It's really easy to get discouraged. Oh, yeah. It's really easy for external factors or the perceptions of others to get you down. And it is hard work, right, to, um, to maintain that positive mindset. And I think... If you can be versatile and generous and adaptive with your positivity, you'll see that there are, is not just one path forward. There's a, an infinite number of possibilities. And I think that's something that I really admire about you is that you always, you're like, well, uh, th- here's, there's, a, there's a world of travel out there that maybe I want to dip my toe into. And I'm like, what, how did you even know that? But you are able to have a nose for kind of emergent possibilities or you're like, here, this athletic team now wants looming. Uh, yeah, I like, just, how, I, did you, how do you even find that possibility? But it's because... I can tell you that, sir, but keep going. You, well, it's because of, I think, but it's because your positivity allows you um, the energy uh, to be, and the openness, right, to seek out some of those, mo- and create some of those moments of serendipity that I think if you're looking to create a change, you can't be monolithic. You can't say, like, here's my resume. Let's go to LinkedIn and just shove a bunch of jobs into a, a you know, resume down a bunch of standardized jobs. Yes. You have to really create serendipity and have a lot of openness to your positivity. So that, that's great. And whether it's serendipity or I call them God winks. And if you're not religious, you know, they're all, there are many gods in all religions, right? So a God wink is God's way of, like, a God's way or the God's way or whatever you believe in, but God's way of kind of giving you hope. And I know with just starting Lumi, there were days where I had zero dollars in the bank account, was really worried I couldn't make payroll. And I remember laying on the factory floor in Belmont being like, I am going to die. Like, this is the awful feeling. Not that I was going to hurt myself in any way, but I was just like so defeated and so sad. And I just remember something my dad said to me when I was younger um, he was, he used to be really afraid to go to school and his dad was like really hard and rigid. He was a judge and he wrote him a note that said, no matter what, you're a hundred percent. Okay. I love you. And my, I remember my dad saying that and I called him and he said, you're going to be okay. There's peaks and valleys 
with everything in life, and you just got to keep going and keep going, and you're going to be okay. But you need to know that you have people to support you, that you're going to be okay, and you're going to make it through. I think, um, thank you for sharing that story. That is awesome. And you are okay, oh, as I almost fall I mean, off I don't my know chair. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I'm insane. It's debatable. I also didn't pay Jeff. I think we should no, this no, to not, say all these positive things ne- about me. Never, never. But what I will, but what I will say is, is that um, if you attach your sense of self-worth to an outcome, yeah. right? Like if you were like, oh, my God, I'm almost out of money. Like I'm worthless, right? Like as we step into 2024, this is maybe the one thing I would say is that like, if you start to attach, attach your sense of self-worth to an outcome, I'm only worth anything if I can get this job or if I can switch this or make this money. Like, that's a reminder to take note of yourself because you, your sense of self-worth should never be attached to an outcome. Your sense of worth should be attached to a process, right? And that's what you were saying, putting one foot in front of another. Yes. That is the process. That is literally like what a process is, right? And if you give and invest your best effort in the process – of accomplishing something that is important and meaning for you, then as John Wooden famously said, the scoreboard can never make you a loser. And the irony there, right, of course, is that John Wooden is the winningest NCAA coach of all time, having won 10 NCAA championships, including seven in a row. Here's the dude who said, by the way, the scoreboard isn't what makes you a winner and loser, right? It's total effort. And so I think that's a really important thing for 2024 as we turn over a new leaf as well to just really hold in our hearts, which is you cannot um, allow the perceptions of others and you cannot allow outcomes to dictate your sense of self-worth because those are all extrinsic things that you cannot control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're here for the inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, well, hey, I'm not, Jeff is, Jeff is. Well, you're, you're like, talk. hey, let's talk about that in the new year. I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring some yeah. heat. Yeah, we, talk, we talked a little bit uh, this morning, Jeff and I, just you know, before the show started to just how how can we help how can we talk about things that are inspiring and what is going to uplift us and give us courage to be the best version of ourselves in 2024 because everyone starts the new year with a bang but you know let's carry it through let's make it a year to remember yeah right? let's do it let's do it let's do it all right so talk to me um let's let's talk a little bit about um when you went when you left Darden and you went to Wicked Kitchen is it Wicked Kitchen Oh, yeah. When I left Darden as an employee, yes. Yeah, I'm so sorry. That was yeah. very confusing. No, when you, you left know, Darden fine. as an employee and yes. went to Wicked Kitchen, yeah. you know, you left, you left a lot of stability and you had I a family. Did. So talk to us about where that shift from being kind of a f- nervous, afraid might be the wrong word, to take that leap of changing careers and then all of a sudden you were in all these really lucrative jobs and then you decided to make a switch to something that was just in the unknown. I love the idea and I love the practice and I love the vocation of coaching. And I I think I always will. And if that's just all it was, then I would happily coach for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, Of course, like nothing is ever just that simple. Um, And, you know, if an experience or an opportunity or a situation is not a fit for who you are as an, in your, in your integrity, uh, then it is important to find something that is a good fit for your integrity. And, um, and so, you know, I, what I learned from that experience is nothing is as permanent as you think it's going to be. I'm like, I'm going to go back to Darden and I'm going to retire, right? 
that's what I thought because of all that stability. I mean, you did, you did. You even said that to me. You're like, oh, this is it. I'm so happy. I get to go back to you. Yeah. Yeah, Darden's been the best. Totally. And I still have nothing but love for Darden and, of course, love Charlottesville. My wife is a middle school teacher here in the city at Walker Upper, and my kids both go to the city schools here, and we're... We, we are, are faithful and adoring members of this community. But You love Seville. We do. We absolutely. Um, that said, uh, I knew that for, for me, you know, it was time to start taking some trust falls into the universe. Trust um, falls. What, describe to us what your trust falls are. Well, the world of startup is terrifying, and it's I would terrifying. have never in a million years entertained it coming out of, uh, as a student. We're supposed to be telling people today it's not terrifying. Well, it's because it's not. That's what I told myself, right? That was the story Let, yeah, let's clarify that. that I told myself, right? But the reality is, is like I said, nothing is as permanent as you think it is. And then on the flip side, it has to be true too, right? Like nothing, is, is, nothing that you view as impermanent is ever as concrete as impermanent as you make it out to be, right? And so that experience, that one year at Wicked, running marketing, leading marketing for a plant-based food company – created so much opportunity for me, gave me so much opportunity to learn and grow about, about myself. Yes, and turned you into a vegan, though. And, yeah, uh, although being fully practicing vegan with two young kids uh, during the holidays is a hard, uh, it's a hard road. How, how many cookies did you eat? I mean, I ate some cookies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did you have a steak, too? No, no steak, okay, but, okay. but did, did you eat some cookies? Um, but, you know, that led to then, again, during the restructuring, me basically having nothing on, you know, this past summer, I had nothing lined up. And what I realized was what you just talked about, which is the people that love you and know you and have gotten to know the quality of your work and of your humanity are out there. And you, have, and you have to create the moments of serendipity and you have to be willing to talk fearlessly and vulnerably about like where you stand and so I put it into the world that I like. I had really had no idea what was going to happen. But here are three things that I might be interested in doing. I might be interested in doing some brand and marketing work uh, in a permanent or a contracting basis. I might be interested in doing some white space innovation work. I've done a number of innovate, white space innovation consulting projects over the years at Darden. Wait, what is white space innovation? What does that mean? White space innovation Sorry. means... I, I don't remember this term. I love, I love it. I love it. White space innovation is... Uh, so like... At, here, I'll use an example. At General Mills... Can I, wait, can I white space... Okay, give me the example. That I'll give can, you the, That we can I'll dive in. We, maybe we can do some white space. <laughs> so General Mills, right? Like, there's Honey Nut Cheerios and there is Yellow Box Original Cheerios. Um, kind of like incremental innovation is like Frosted Cheerios, Chocolate Cheerios, Apple Cinnamon Cheerios, right? But what about what is going to displace... It's the world of cereal, right? Like cereal is actually not that convenient because well, it's also not that good for you. So there, exa- there's a whole number. I'm not gonna get. In, I'm not gonna get in trouble with my friends over at General Mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't bash the friends. At I'm not gonna Mills. take that bait. But uh, there are people who say that. And yeah. but it's also not convenient, right? Like I remember the CMO at the time, Mark Addicts, being like, you know, my son thinks cereal is the most inconvenient thing in the world. They're like, wait, I have to walk all the way from this spot in the kitchen all the way to that part of the kitchen, grab a box, open the box, open the plastic that's in the box, go to the other part of the kitchen, grab a, you know, a spoon, spoon and a bowl, milk. and then I go to the other part of the kitchen and grab a, some milk out of the fridge, and then I got to mix them all together. That is the least convenient breakfast of all time, right? 
Well, I mean, it's, so I what mean, do you do to displace the world? What is going to displace cereal yes. as the cereal of 2050, right? The that is a white space innovation The cereal bar that General question. Mills came out with? There, General Mills did try to come out with uh, something called B-Fast, which is like a breakfast drink. That well, they had those. They also had the um, the Cheerio bar that had like the they fake still have milk those. and sugar. They still have those. Yep, yeah. yep. All this to say, right, like when you take a question like that, that there is no clear answer and yeah. that there is nothing but possibility and questions, you take a company that is very well structured and built at making the same thing over and over and over again. Cliff Bar is a great example. Okay. And then say like, but all we do right now is make bars. Like, yeah. what? How do we displace all of these other things in the world of energy? Not to mention ourselves in the future. And that's a white space question, right? And so, uh, starting in the world of, and that's where human centered design firms like IDEO, yeah. and Cotton, Frog, kind of really specialize. And that's something that I got a chance to do a lot of. Um, can at, can at, we? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, oh, and that's so. That's that's to answer your question. That's the, the type of work is like for a smaller company, for example, that doesn't have the skills or experience in human-centered design, you know, we can come in and help talk to them about saying like, all right, what is your, what is the big pie in the sky goal that you have? And before how do we before you dive in more into like yeah. what this is, let, let's talk about instead of it being a small company, let's just talk about it as an individual basis, as totally. self. So for 2024, how can I white space my life? Yeah, there's a great book called Designing Your Life okay. uh, that is basically... But what's the Jeff Tang book about it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I care about. I think that's what the listeners now care about. We're not going to go read a book today. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, for, for me, the human-centered design principle starts with empathizing, right? So you have to understand... Empathizing with yourself or others? Well, in the world of white space innovation, it's empathizing with your consumers. So okay. understanding them, understanding the functional, social, emotional circumstances of struggle in their lives and okay. the things that they pull into their lives to make progress, right? So I think the initial outset question to ask yourself in 2024 from the human-centered design perspective would be, what progress do I desire for myself in 2024? It could be, how do I rediscover my authenticity and show up as myself in work every day. I feel like a prisoner that I can't show up as myself. Or it could be, I really, I have a, I have a young child and I feel like I'm not as connected to them because of my crazy work schedule. Well, the progress you desire then is to be able to have more time with that child, that more meaningful, connective time with that child. And then you can, so after you empathize, right? Yes. You can kind of up with, come up with a set of kind of design principles and insights. But th those are two. Those are two great examples. I, a lot of people struggle with. Totally. Not. I even this morning I was with a friend and she was like, I took four days off before Christmas and I was able to be present with my children and it was amazing. People people don't do that. So my new rule for 2024 is when the kids come home or when I pick up the kids, this goes on its little docking station in my bedroom and it doesn't come back on. And does not come back into my hand until the kids are in bed. That's my new kind of like promise to myself. I like that. One of your resolutions. Right. So that's a, that's a great, that's an, so, so you so empathize. Does it, oh, sorry, empathize. Yeah, Next totally. step. You step one, empathize. Your, Did everyone write this down? <laughs> empathize. You kind of distill your insights, create some sort of certain, certain design principles or like what needs to be true, right? About whatever we're creating. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can prototype and you ideate. And oftentimes this is done in groups, um, and it's really done well in groups of disparate people, what they call T-shaped thinkers, people who are, have all sorts of different backgrounds but have a great ability to connect with each other. So 
finding those type of open-minded friends and family members to talk with about can be very, very productive, right? Yes. And, but as we talked, Jeff and I had this conversation and Judah was here and Jerry, I think wasn't in the room yet, but maybe he was about how people are afraid to be open-minded and talking about different things these days, but you're saying it is important and good to do. Yeah. I, I actually think, and I'm not the only person by far that like I agree with conflict you. is necessary, right? In high performing teams. Um, but it's, you have to have healthy conflict, right? And, and trust in each other. Yeah. And conflict, does, it's so funny because people are willing, when they, as soon as they hear the word conflict, they think of somebody, usually a boss, yelling yeah. at somebody or berating something. But conflict doesn't have to have any yelling in it, right? And so I think conflict is just an important, understanding how to have healthy, productive conflicts where you, you may think A and I may think B and we may disagree with each other. But by talking it through, we arrive at C, which is more elegant than A or B. Sure. Is the name of the game, and I would argue conflict was kind of the instigator to arrive at C, right? So there's an important kind of uh, prototyping and ideating that has to, ideating then prototyping, right? Uh, and then uh, you would kind of tighten the screws. So you go back and do it all over again. Okay. So you prototype, you may create, I may create this idea of putting my phone down, but then I may find... I miss something at work. So then I'm like, all right, what's the deal? Maybe I will get an, an app. I will turn my Apple watch back on. And well, I what will if you, what if you got a landline? Totally. Some, that, there's a great Atlantic article about, about that actually. But my point is, right. Yes. Is that you, then you run it through the pipes and you pro, and then you test it and then you, and which is basically empathy again, right. Cause you're yeah. doing product trials, if you will. Okay. And then you take your insights and then you ideate and prototype all over again. And so that process is kind of more or less human-centered design, and that's a way that you can kind of apply it to yourself. Okay, cool. That's a lot of stuff. Th- that was a lot of stuff. I, I'm trying to, to rephrase it all and, uh, you know, think about <laughs> all the steps of what. So empathize and, pro- and then prototype. So, yeah, it's empathize. I think it's distilling insights. Then it's ideating. Ideating. Right? Because yes. you, what you really want to do is create 50 ideas. Like this, we, we as a society have fallen in love with like, oh, well, this one solution is the thing. And that is not, it does, does not at all have to be true. And in fact, we looked at a lot of the greatest innovations of the last century or really ever. It wasn't as a result of one person having one idea about one thing. That person likely went through 50 or 100 different ideas or iterations before arriving at that one thing, right? And some of them look nothing like where they landed. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. With Lumi, I didn't go through 100, but I probably should have iterated more so that it could be better. But I think you're a natural. I think you're, so the fun thing is like, yes, you can be steeped in this. You can practice it. You can learn it. Um, and there are obviously some folks who have kind of a natural leaning towards it. And I think you are a natural iterator. Um, and you also have a bias for action, mm-hmm. which really, I mean, if it's a cycle, right, sure. you need to have momentum to get you into that cycle. And you have, you are nothing but momentum, Hillary. So I think that's also something that's very valuable for you. Well, I think, I think you said something important, action. And Thomas Jefferson said that act, action delineates and defines you. That's one of his quotes. And, you know, here we are in Charlottesville, Virginia, where his home is. Um, and he designed the, our college, right? Our UVA, where we went. Um, yep. But such a key to entrepreneurship, to changing careers, to um, changing your life is just acting. And 
action, not acting. You don't, you don't want to be fake about it. <laughs> totally. And not attaching a sense of permanence to it, right? Yeah. I think that's what I love about human-centered design is also is because it's so malleable. You know there's always another turn of the screw that you can always take afterwards, right? So maybe Wicked Kitchen wasn't the be-all, end-all, but I'm still glad I did it because now it's on to this world of independent work that has been the most rewarding five or six months of my career that I can remember. And it's, so it's the remembering that each kind of turn of the screw is valuable in an, its own sense, even if you land somewhere that looks nothing like that iteration three or four iterations ago. That's awesome. So this is, this is the best place you've been in your career right now. I think what I really learned is that, again, when I put my trust fall, took my trust fall into the universe, what I learned is there, I've you know, been a post-MBA for 10 years now. I know, ten, we're, we're so old. Old. But 10 years with the people yeah. who have worked with me, like I said, and understood the quality of my work and the quality of me as a human. Mm-hmm. And so if they need something that I can help them with, if they have a circumstance of struggle that I can help them make progress in, whether it is in coaching or whether it is in white space innovation work or whether it is in brand management work. Um, and I've had people who, I have clients in all three spaces right now, which is like the most rewarding and fulfilling feeling but the cool thing is, is I get to choose. I'm like, well, I trust this person in my bones. Of course I'm going to work with. I'm working with a former colleague of mine at General Mills who I absolutely adore and was a rock for me during a very new time in my, my post-MBA career. And now I work with this person on a marketing contract. Yeah. And not surprisingly, it is incredible because the two of us have a, a foundational trust and um, an honor for each other's integrity and their goodness and if that's where you start versus, ooh, this is a sexy title, or ooh, this is a sexy salary, yeah. or ooh, these are the opportunities, this is where this could lead me, right? Those are all yeah. outcome-focused, yeah. right? If you start with, like, I, and um, uh, 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 the Emmy Award winner is at a loss I'm for words. at a loss for words. He just passed away. The second in command for... Um, for, Buff, for Warren Buffett. Oh, yeah. With, he, um, was a, he was sh- just shy of his 100th birthday. Yeah, he's what like was 90, his name? 99. Do you guys know his name? Uh, not, not right. No, 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 no. He's alive. Uh, <laughs> that was not good. No, oh, no, no, but the person who just passed away, the other guy who... I've got my phone here, so hold yeah, on. Yeah, let's he, look at He up. just passed away. He famously... Uh, Charlie, Charlie yeah. Munger. Charlie, Charlie Munger. Munger, yeah. Charlie Munger once said, like, um, trust first yes. and ability second Yes. when hiring. And I... And I took that and turned it the other way around, right? Is if I'm going to work for somebody, mm-hmm. I want to start with trust first and then opportunity or sexiness of role or salary, yeah. blah, 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 second, right? Yeah. And so that has been, and I'm privileged, I'm privileged to be able to do that. I recognize that I stand yeah. in so much privilege to be able to, to yeah. do that now at the state in my career, but um, it has created a lot of fulfillment and happiness for, for my family and myself, for sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great to hear. Well, let's talk a little bit. How are we doing on time? Oh, four minutes left. Okay, we have four minutes left. So Four minutes left. This what do you want to talk about, Hillary Spillery? Time flies when you're having fun. Hopefully other people are having fun. <laughs> Is there actually anyone listening right now? Okay, okay, because I awesome. have no idea. Just my friends? No. Okay. Jonathan Love. Jay Love. Ah! We have 11 states watching you guys right now. Oh, wow. Goodness. Now I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I've been sweating the whole time over so here. Well. I'm so awkward. Donnie Tobol. Yeah, he does. Yeah. O.D. Greens. I love it. Look My at hometown this, of Painesville, Ohio. Love it. There we go. Um, 
Well, since we only have probably two minutes left now, I think <laughs> one of the main things that I think going into the beginning of 2024, what are three resolutions that you want to tackle for this year? Aside from putting your phone down. Yeah. Well, I think for, for me, the first one is like deepening my commitment to a lot of the things that I just talked about, right? Okay. Which is like um, continue to invest in the process, to create, continue to create serendipity with people that I love and trust. Um, and really building around a sense of integrity. Instead of doing it because of the possibilities that it might create for myself, doing it because it feels right for who I am at my heart. And that, doesn't, that means I don't have to always work hard. That means I don't always have to uh, be the star. It means, that, um, it means that I get to choose my own process. Um, and I think the most important thing with that is it allows me to say, like, what are the qualities I want to inspire in my children? Because no book and no course will teach you or your child better than the way you act. And so if I want to be a person of compassion, sure. then I better practice that in every little tiny moment when I even don't think he's watching or when I don't think she's watching, right? So I think yes. that thing deepening, deepening in my investment in They're the, always watching, Jeff. They're always Children watching. Children are always, always watching. watching. Always. Uh, I think another thing for me is like just to really continue to be open to whatever 2024 has. I, I'm very blessed already right now, but um, just want to continue to be open-minded for emergent opportunities as they arise. For for me, uh, may not have anything to do with career, but mm-hmm. um, just in creating again more more great connections. And then the, <laughs> this is not a resolution. Take them to kids at Disney World in uh, April. And do you need a travel agent for that? Because you know that's I'm so a tra- I'm amazing. We'll talk. Yeah. Disney, uh, you need a planner to do Disney. Disney it is so, so aggressive. It is, it is crazy, and I did it in 2022, and you talked about optimization and process improvement. Oh, yeah. I just want to improve my 20, – 2022 was good. I want to make it, like, even more optimized this time around. So we'll see. Well, what, what about for you? Do you have, do you have a, a resolution? Well, I think the first one is uh, making my next show better <laughs> in the sense that Aww, not because you, you weren't a great host. Great. I mean, partner, but me hosting it. I need, to be, I need to be more relaxed, I think. Uh, the se- no, thanks, Jeff. Well, uh, that means a lot coming from a former newscaster. <laughs> uh, the second thing, uh, you know, I th- um, being open to new opportunities and leaving uh, experiences, businesses, things that might not be fulfilling or that I am not excelling at in the past in the past, leave it, leave it in 2023 and move forward with conviction for new ideas that inspire me so that in six months, I'm going to say like you, I'm so happy I made these changes. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that service to others and inspiring people to be the best version of themselves is really important to me. So I think I, I want to focus on that this year. I love it. Yeah. Duda, uh, what do you want to do? You want to jump in here? Jerry, you, what about you? One, you guys, one, one. There we go. Love it. Championing. So, yeah, if, if, if the mic didn't pick it up, Jerry said championing, championing oh. others and helping them become the best versions of themselves. Yeah. Thank you That's for great. relaying that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, love you, mean it. Love you, mean Thank it, you my for friend. joining us. I'll see 54. Thank you for everyone that came to listen today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody.